welcome to another exciting episode slash adventure of Tales from the Attic. I'm your host, Donnie Salvo, and if you're new here, I'm going to tell you how we do this. I go up into my attic, reach into a long box of comic books. I grab a comic book and I read it randomly. I don't randomly read it, I randomly pick it. That's weird if I'd... Because then I'd just read every other page randomly. Actually, even that would have some kind of order to it. Anyway, so what I do is I pick a random comic and I read it. And uh, we go through it together. If you have this issue, you pause it and you run and you go get your book. And you sit Indian style on the living room floor in front of the fireplace and eagerly await... Oh, well, you could. I mean, I'm not telling you not to. But so that's what we do here. But first, before we get started, as always, we have to talk about my sponsor, and that is DCBService.com, DCBS. They are discount comic book service. You like comic books. I like comic books. I like cheap comic books. I know you do, too. No one ever sells me. I wish every book was four ninety nine. No one ever says that to me. No one. No. But here at DCBService.com, you could get discounts anywhere from 40% all the way up to 75% off. It's crazy, right? And the more money you save, let's face it, if you're like me, the more stuff you're going to buy to read. So, you know, squeeze that budget for as much as you can. So please go there. DCBService.com. Thank you. And today, we are going to talk about the stranded number one virgin comics with the sci-fi channel here we go ready we open it up this is very 90s i'm going to tell you that right now this was in december of 2007 and uh the art is a very 90s art style siddharth kotian kotanin kotian maybe that's the artist mike carey wrote it um here we go Always up, narration box. Sleeper number seven. Kieran, Calvert Hills, Altoona. It was Thursday. So I suppose he went to his analyst and talked about the dream. Okay for some, right? The talking cure, getting it off your chest. Nice to be able to do that. So, <laughs> he's t- I guess he's, t- he's on, his cou- on the old couch uh, uh, talking to the therapist and uh, he's describing and he basically looks like Cable with a bow staff he's all kinds of 90's armored up with a bow staff thingy and a weird earpiece thingy and his hair with his hair is all white and he's got a big, big belt buckles big belt buckles and pouches galore you may have a lot of pouches but I have much more anyway and uh yeah He's like, I think. I think someone went through. Uh, I think someone went through life feels trash in the nineties. That's all I'm saying. All I'm saying. And uh, so they're talking. And they're saying, I'm, I'm kind of like a superhero in a costume, and I'm fighting a bunch of bad guys, but they can't hurt me, and I'm not afraid of them. And it shows him he's doing crazy swing kicks and kicking a gun out of this dude's hand, and he's like, the only thing I'm scared of is opening my mouth and the therapist says 
And why is that? Because when I do, what comes out is gibberish. Crazy nonsense talk. Because in the dream, I'm only pretending to be me. Playing a part, like an actor in a play. And then the therapist says, It's an un- it's not an uncommon feeling. Uh, Garth. His name's Garth. That's nice. No, Gareth. I'm sorry, Gareth. I can't. Done like 60 of these, I still can't talk. Um, it's even accurate up to a point. Society requires us that we stick to the scripts, that we go with the so- our social roles. We're seldom free just to ad lib. You should join an improv group, because that's all you do. We'll discuss this in the next time, because his watch is ting ting and ting ting and then he's like that'll be four hundred dollars for that hour no he didn't say that so he's leaving he's got his backpack on his back and he's walking out and in the busy streets there's people walking in a cab we're not walking on a cab the cab's on the street you know what i'm talking about and then the narration box says and then afterwards his emotions all stirred up restless out of sync with the world he could have gone back to work but nobody would miss him and there are other affordable medicines besides conversation. And he's at a bar. And he looks at the bartender and he says, Hit me again the next time you're passing. And the bartender says, Sure. And he looks at the end of the bar. And there's another crazy looking, cable looking dude <laughs> at the end of a bar with his hand on a box. He's got armor and he's got a lot of pouches. You may have a lot of pouches, but I got much more. And then, um, bartenders, um, pouring a drink and the kid saying say is he allowed just to put that animal up on the bar like that isn't that a health risk because he's got a box so I guess he's assuming it's like a kitty carrier or something he's like sorry who do you mean and the dude's like the guy with the cage the bartender's like what guy where and then the the um the pouch pouchy guy with the armor and the long hair says this is not an animal. And he's like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't mean for you to... He's like, forget it. I don't take offense. Life's too short. And he walks over to to Gareth, and he says, but you look like a man with a keen eye. So take a look at this and tell me what comes to your mind. And he opens up the box, and there's a bright light. Gareth looks in, and he goes, ah! And then, um... He's like, my God! My God, um... And then the the... the the dude with all the armor and pouches says, Shh. He says, I'm sorry I have troubled you, Garion. He's like, Ow. This dude has two names. And he's like, But you're not the one I'm looking for. And it's only going to hurt for a moment. And then the dude's all like, Ah. And, and the guy with the with the pouches and the um, armor, he touches um he touches the kid, and all of a sudden his skin starts to crack, and he's like, ah, ah, gay. And then he's like, his eyes go all white, and his skin's all crackling, and the bartender's like, okay, pal, talking to yourself is one thing, but you're starting to annoy my other customers. Yeah, all two of them. You're going to have to leave now. And he goes to the ground, and he goes, hey, what? And the kid falls off the bar stool, and his face cracks against the floor. The bartender's like, I didn't do nothing. I swear to God, I only touched him. I only touched him. And there's ambulances in front, 
and uh, there's cops outside the door talking to the bartender and then they got the dude in a body bag and they're taking him away and there's all witnesses and shit and there's another narration box and it says seven of us on three days geographically clustered like my talking murdered in a way that defies an easy explanation and there's a chick in an overcoat underneath a lamppost she says just thinking to herself okay I think we could safely rule out coincidence and act of God so what does that leave and then a cop comes up behind her and he says excuse me miss were you a witness to what happened she goes no I wasn't I arrived too late in fact I'm not even here now she waves her hand and does the Ben Kenobi Jedi mind trick and the dude's like, you're, you're not? And she goes, so you didn't see me, nor will you remember. And uh, the cop just walks by her and walks up to an, another dude and he goes, sir, were you a witness to what happened? And she says, in the narration box, she goes, and how do I stop it without tearing down everything I'm supposed to be doing here? What's she supposed to be doing here? Then all of a sudden she gets in a car and her car's parked in front of an alley. And who's in the alley with the dude with the light bright? the light box and there's a voice coming a creepy disembodied voice and it says there's another and he's all what the dude with the light break and and uh the voice says another sleeper very close to us look to your left to your left to your left and she gets in her car she's driving away he goes her is she and um the disembodied voice is like the one we need no she's sci active and already awake Follow her, Janus. Oh, that's Janus. Um, touch her with your left hand and let me watch her die. That sounds nice. And Janus is all, Ha! <laughs> so we found an anchor at last. This is getting personal for you, Dizzin. That's dude, a disembodied voice. Who's in the box? Okay. I don't understand what's going on. Is this that... Is this that spite I'm tasting in your thoughts? And um, and the disembodied voice says, No, it isn't. She's a canary in a coal mine. I don't know what that means. You want her to sing before she dies. Oh, oh, there we go. So the body inside the, or the voice inside the light bright, it's that of a 1930s gangster. Yeah, she's like a canary in a coal mine. You want her to sing before she dies. Yeah, look how high my pants are pulled up. Supposing I don't want her. Supposing I make you. Okay. Um, so then um, Janice says, I suppose not, since you put it like that. But if she were to read me and then survive somehow, I'd hate that too. Wouldn't we all? And he says, so I think I'll send the nulls. And he opens up the back of a truck. And there's all these weird, like, robot android humanoid looking things where are we going Jackson Heights New York sleeper number 8 drum his name is drum and there's a voice coming a voice coming from a building and it says there's a price that has to be paid I can't overlook this you can't or you don't want to I said I heard what you said so there's people talking in a I don't know what this is. It looks like a library, maybe. Listen, Mrs. Baxter, the whole book the book is a whole three weeks overdue. Oh, boy. And then Mrs. Baxter's all like, My cat was sick. You're going to find me because my cat was fi- sick? Fixed. <laughs> it was for sick. It was, the cat was sick. 
Well, no, but the cash box has to tally at the end of the day. And I don't make the rules, so we got a stickler. I suppose it's only a couple of dollars. There, okay, I guess we're good. So the person behind the thing paid the fine for um, Mrs. Baxter. And she leaves with a smile on her face, kind of like a shit-eating grin. And she says, thank you, Mr. Rumachese. You're a saintly man. And some hot chick comes around the corner and says, or as some would say, a pushover. And he's all, go ahead, Brooke, have your fun. She's just, she's like, you know I am, because I'm hot, hot, hot. And there's an ad for Nicolas Cage's Voodoo Child, issue six, with special wraparound cover. Voodoo Child by Nicolas Cage. Yeah. Nicholas Cage. Um, anyway. So she comes up, she grabs the dude, David, his name's David, grabs his tie and flirting with him. And she says, oh, I intend to, David. Tomorrow sound good? And he said, don't change your mind then. She goes, well, let's weigh up the pros and cons. And he's all, con, I'm a wimp. Little old ladies push me around. And she says, they do, don't they? But after we're married, I'm going to give you a flare gun. You get in trouble, and boom, send up a signal, and I'll come rescue you. She says, pro, I'll get to be... What? Oh, I'll get me. I thought she said I get to be a man. It's It's been a long day. Don't judge. Um, she says, I get me a man who'll never lie to me. Because you don't know how to, babe. And that's why I love you. I've been with you five minutes. I'd been with you five minutes and I knew you like we grew up in the same house. That's a little weird. And then he, she, she kisses him and walks away and then he goes, boom, my flare's going up. And she goes, save it till tomorrow, sweetheart. The rescue pants. I'll rescue the pants off you. Oh boy, someone's gonna get some some nookie. And then there's another narration box and that chick, um, I forgot her name already. Uh, God, I'm bad with names. In the comic books. The Psy Active chick. Oh, I forgot what her name was. Did I say her name? Say a name, say a name. I don't know why I'm very singy. This, uh... No, I don't think they did say her name. Her name, her name. So she's walking with her overcoat, swinging in the breeze. And she says, 13 years, 5,000 days, 100,000 hours. She has a lot of time on her hands. And she goes up to this door, she puts her hand on it, and there's all these crazy symbols and shit. And the door opens up, and there's a crazy thorny tree in the middle of this big living room thing with a bust on a thing, and it looks like a huge mansion. And inside the narration box, says, get a grip, girl. Lock it down and get a grip. Can't afford to lose those thoughts when, when talking to the house defenses. That's a good way to get killed. But sweet skein, this is way too big for me. Way too big. And so, she said, so I need a second opinion. And she walks by these um, these windows and shit. They got all different things in them, with weird writing on it. She goes up to this door and she puts her hand on it and all these weird symbols come up again. And all of a sudden the wall opens up. And she's like, I need it now before I get in too deep. And she's in like this crazy-ass laboratory with floating robots and a big old um, green sphere hanging up with wires and shit. And there's like a lab rat in a cage. And, and it, well, he's like in a, in a glass cage. And they got something hanging over him. It looks like there's water in it, but could be chemicals. You don't know what they're doing in here. 
And she walks over, and she's putting something inside a glass bowl, and she says to, do says to the rat, she goes, Professor Zanthi, wake up, it's me, Tamree, her name's Timree, and I need to consult. And then all of a sudden the, the rat's looking at her, and he goes, Tamree, but where am I? Why is it so dark? And she, she's all talking to him. She's like, because it really isn't you. It's just a piece of your brain grafted onto the cerebellum, cerebellum, blah, 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 say that fast, of a rat. He's all, what? They put my brain inside a rat's skull? And, and she's like, well, only a small piece of it. I'm sorry if that distresses you. And he's all, distresses me? It's obscene. Skeen and Sky, is this how they repay me for all those years of toil? Who? Who did this to me? Who cultured my unique mind in, in, in the brain pan of this verminous domestic pest? And she says, she's taking a big-ass gun, man. I swear to God, this says 2007, but I swear this story was written in the 90s. She got a big-ass cable gun, a big old Nick Fury gun. And she takes it off the thing, she's like, you did. And he's all... Oh, well, yes, I should have known. It does... It, it has a certain twisted genius to it. And she goes, Could we talk about something else besides you? And he's all, Well, if you must. I mean, why don't you give the guy a break, man? The guy just found out he was a rat. And she's like, Seven of my sleepers are dead. Hollowed out like the gourd... Hollowed out like gourds. <laughs> I don't know. This is a great episode of how I can't pronounce shit. Um, and talk... I don't know how it was done, and I don't think I could reproduce it. Can you give me the locations of the other anchors? I can't protect the nest without their help. And he's like, nope, I can't. She goes, what? Why not? He goes, why not? Primarily because I don't accept that there's a threat. But if the, for if the forgotten have found you, better your sleeper should die than that you should open up a trail leading to the others. And she's, she's pointing a big-ass Nick Fury slash cable gun at him. And she's like, seven deads, Auntie. There's no if. And he's all, consider, Tamri. You've, you've been alone here for a long time. Is it possible you're exaggerating the danger because you're desperate for some company? And then all of a sudden, there's this iron hand that's pushing on the door, and it says, Skrunk! What's going on? And she's like, you hear that? I have to go, Zanti. The threat is real. Tell me where the other anchors are. And he's like, I can't do that. It would be the surest way to put them in the same danger you're in. And she's like, Skin, damn you, you're leaving my sleepers to die. And he's all, uh, to, to protect thousands more. And despite being only a reluctant passenger inside a rat's sensor room, I give you my sincerest apologies. And then, oh, snap, all them drone thingies I was describing before in the back of the truck. Do they kick in the door? They all got like these television screens on with the same dude's face. And they all got big ass cable guns too. And um He's all I don't know who's saying this, but it says, I'm sure there are other versions of me deserved in even more demeaning ways. Oh, preserved in even more demeaning ways, so this is the rat. And then she says, Good luck. I look forward to having another little chat sometime soon. And then all of a sudden, like, um, they're all in front of that thorny tree. That thorny tree, all of a sudden, there's all them symbols in front of it. And it's going, veep, veep, veep. Veep, veep, veep. And then it just shoots out all the thorns. 
all over those thingies. And it knocks him down, but I don't think it really kills him. And then, uh, so she... Oh, here we go. She's thinking to herself, so they triggered the razor trap, good. But they followed me from the last kill, and I didn't even sense them. They could follow a side trail, either. Oh, no, she says, they could follow a side trail, either that or else. And then they all jump through the glass, psh, in the hallway that she's in. She's got her big old gun, and they're all pointing her big old guns at her, and it's... Burn, fair, freeze, break, burst, drown, die. And then all their screens started to fizz out like TV with interference. And then they all came back on. And I'm turning the page. And she goes, okay, plan A was a bust. Okay, so she must have tried to put those thoughts inside their head for them to feel those emotions. But the robots. So they start shooting all at her. And she jumps up. She goes up against the wall. She flips. does ninja flips. And then she falls. And while she's in midair... She shoot. She goes. Let's go for Plan B. And she's shooting her big ass gun off. That looks like it's shooting four million rounds a second. And that nice bust that was in the living room fell over and whatnot. And then um, she said, "It's a tough trick giving telepathic commands outside your own species." So those weird like things that were in that. Remember I was telling you about all the different windows with weird stuff in them. She says it takes thousands of hours of practice. Well, all them things are coming out and they look like they're insects or whatever. And uh, she she says, I probably should get out more. And all the insects are attacking the the robot thingies. And they're shooting. And, and they're on the ground. But then another squad comes up behind her. And she does like this one-handed thing where she's holding up herself with one hand. And she's shooting. And then she shoots herself outside a window. And she's back in her um, living room with the razor tree. And all the, the uh, robots that got hit by that are down there. And she says, okay. So I'm on my own. And she's in the in her living room, and the tree is making that weird symbol thing again. And she goes, "That's fine." And all the robots are chasing her down the stairs. And as soon as she gets out of the house, the whole mansion explodes. Whoop! Boom! And then she says, "At least I get to make my own rules." And then we go back to where Drum is. So we're back at Jackson Heights. And uh, are you serious? You're really making me do this? Is outside the window, and then all of a sudden you go in, and there's that dude, the librarian, and he got his um, he got a, a blindfold on, and his girlfriend stripped. She got her bra on, and uh, she goes, "I'm very serious." And he goes, "Yeah, well, I think you're making it up as you go along." She's like, hey, "I'm not," and she says, "Davy, I just don't believe you. Sometimes it's like you're a spy under deep cover." And they didn't give you a full briefing or something. And he's like, why? Why would you say that? And um, so he goes, you can't not know this. Everyone in the whole world knows that. And um, she pushes him down. And she gets on top of him. And then he's like, it's bad luck for the groom to see the bride on their wedding night. Or the night before their wedding, not their wedding. Oh, my God, you would think I'm drunk, but I'm really not. Um, he goes, okay, I believe you, but I'm going to miss you, babe. And she said, well, here's the good part. You can't look, but you still touch. And then uh, tomorrow's she's in her car, and you're plenty time. Since he's gone, that... That incarnation, anyway. And the house is toast. 
whoever these killers are, I have to find them fast, which means they have to figure out where they're going to be. I have to figure out where they're going to be next and who are most likely their targets. They're working on proximity, but they're not always taking the shortest line between two points because they go for clusters. They like to hit a whole lot of sleepers fast. That means either New York or Boston. Boston is en- Endo. Hey, Endo! He's this big, huge, muscular dude with a package in his hand. And I mean a regular package in his hand. Not... Get your mind out of that. And Sisera, who is this gorgeous blonde girl. There's no ugly people in this book. I'm telling you that right now. And she says, how many times do I have to separate those two? And how do they find each other again? By smell? And then uh, she's like, I put Colin in Pittsburgh, but his company relocated to Manhattan. Still, at least he's keeping out of trouble. Unless someone goes looking for for the pension fund. And Drum, Drum is, and she's she's psychically linking to all these people while she's talking. And all of a sudden she sees him, and he got his head and his girlfriend's tatas. And they're doing it, doing it, doing it well. And she says, Drum is still about a millimeter off of Brick's G-spot and about to get married. Okay. I can't be everywhere at once, so let's go. Best guess. If they read Garion before they killed him, if they can do that somehow, through all the blocks I put in, they'll know about Drum. They'll go for him. And so will I. And there's a thing at a church. And it's, oh, it's his wedding. And and Drum's sitting in the front seat. And he's saying to his best man, he's like, you got the ring? And he goes, nope, I gave it to you. And he's like, what? When'd you do that? And he's like, joke, dude. It's right here. Relax. And uh, so his best man's all like, hey, Dave. Let's say the church is Brooks family. Yeah, and the right is your friends. And he goes, yeah, so. He's like, so where are your people? You couldn't even muster up one single scrawny cousin? And he says, I told you, John, I lost most of my family when the Serbs shelled Serb, 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 this other country that he lived in. It, the ones I got left, well, let's just say if the Serbs want to go back for another pass, they've got my blessing. So in other words, he's saying to his best man, thanks for bringing that up on my wedding day, Dick. And, uh, his best man stands up and he goes, Hey, man, I's right. And he goes, Why? What? Oh, oh. and here comes Brooke coming down the wedding uh, aisle in her wedding dress and all the people standing. Dude, he was saying, making fun of him, but his whole side is filled too. So I don't get it. Anyway, so his best man puts his arm around him. He says, So that's all you got to say? Admit it, man. If I glue your eyelids shut right now, you could live a rich and happy life life on the after images alright that's weird so the preacher man comes up and he says dearly beloved we are gathered here today to witness the joining together in holy matrimony of David Ernest Rumsche and Brooke Victoria Dawson if any hair attending knows why of any just cause or impediment to this union and let him and all of a sudden the back door of church kicks open and it's that dude with the pouches you may have a lot of and and uh he got two humongous dudes all dressed in armor 
that they don't even got eyes, dude. The armor's covering their eyes, but the rest of their face is exposed. Oh, there's three of them. I didn't see what doing in the back. And he got the light bright guy. And um, one guy runs up to him and he's like, "Sir, there's a wedding in progress. You're gonna have to." And and then the dude's talking to the light bright and he says, "Which one is he, Dizzin? Give me a target." And um, and the light bright's like, "Are you sure you don't want me to cloak you like the last time?" And and he, the dude with the pouch, he grabs the best man. And he grabs him and he looks at him. He goes, "Life's too short." And the dude's like, and then um, he said, uh, "Then the the light bright dude is all like." Then he's up at the altar, probably the groom or the best man. Oh, so this must have been a groomsman or something. And he and he says, "Excellent, grunts, clear me a path." And those three weird things, they just start, dude. They just start flying in wedding guests all over the place. And and Brooke is all like, "What? What's happening, Davy?" Who are they? And he's all, I don't know. Stay here, Brooke. I'll deal with this. What? You just got pushed around by him. Oh, suck a duck. And then the car pulls up. And, um... And then, um... What's her name? Got out. Tamri. She gets out and she goes, Damn it. Too late. A church full of fear and loathing. But Drum is alive in there. I can feel him. She's like, What am I supposed to do? Stand here and watch him die? Bury them all. You made me their mother hens, ain't they? You made me care. So screw it. I'm not losing any more without a fight. So here you go, Dave. Drum. I'm dropping the side blocks from your brain. Not all of them. Just enough. So he starts running, right? She goes, this is your life. And he's running towards the bad dudes. And like right in the middle... Um, you hear her, she goes, I know, baby, I know it hurts. Memories are slicing into your, into you like, like scalpel blades. Whole life cut away, another spliced in while the wound is still raw. Ooh, baby, I like it raw. Brain surgery on the hoof. Now you know who you are, what you can do, what you have to do. And if you live through this, maybe you'll forgive me. He just starts levitating in the church. And he got his hand in front of the bad guys. Like he's about to do something. Like he's about to wreck some shit up in the church. And it says, to be continued. Dun, dun, dun. Alright, so, um. I don't know what the deal was with this. Uh, was this supposed to be a series on sci-fi or something? Or were they, tr- this Maybe uh, didn't get funded and sci-fi still had the rights, so they went to Virgin Comics. And if anybody knows, please let me know. Um, that's uh, You can email me at donnysalvo at yahoo.com. That's D-O-N-N-Y-S-A-L-V-O at yahoo.com. And thank you very much for listening. I really appreciate it. Uh, glad you guys are enjoying these because I enjoy doing them. And, uh, yeah, check out my, my sponsor, dcbservice.com. I'm sure most of you are, but for those who are, I'm telling you, for those of you who are just, you're thinking about it, I've been using them for a long time, never had a problem, and uh, you save a lot of money. So go visit my sponsor. Thanks again for listening, and I will talk to you guys next time.